0: Everybody, to this bonus episode in our developing strategy podcast series. In this series, we propose that strategy is about answering six questions, and we're going to be discussing how that happens in practice. And to remind you, they are: what is the external environment? What is the internal situation? How might both evolve? What is the primary issue? What are the options, and which option is best? So one approach to strategy is to go through from question one to question six. But in this bonus episode, we're going to discuss how to adapt this process to different real life situations, exploring questions such as whether we always go through from one to six or whether we sometimes go through in a different order. Uh, and it's a great pleasure uh, for me to introduce our guest on this episode, Tara Yamashita, uh, formerly head of group strategy at a billion, multi-billion Uh, Pound Global PLC. Tara, can you introduce yourself?
1: Sure, hello Joe, and thank you for inviting me to take part in this strategy podcast. So as you mentioned, I'm a Strategy and Transformation Director, and I've worked in major companies in engineering, telecoms and consultancy, typically supporting executive teams in shaping businesses. And more recently, I've been exploring strategic innovation through the lens of design thinking a user-centered approach to problem-solving, as well as agile methodologies to consider how companies may improve strategic agility overall.
0: Great, thanks. Um, so let's start with thinking about the order in which one goes through these questions. I know that sometimes you start off a strategy process by defining the issue, which is my question four. Can you explain why and when you do this?
1: Sure. So I think firstly, the six questions you highlight are all key to defining a good strategy and have a good logical order. But as you say, I tend to start by creating a challenge statement that defines the perceived issue or issues. And I typically do this for every project. So I do know that challenge or problem statements are created at the start of most projects as part of project scoping. But I think it is important to make this an explicit question at the start and give it some substance so as to take a breath and not dive in straight away. And I think doing this can help in several ways. I think firstly, it could help you build a clearer context and highlight broader interconnected issues that are critical. And I think secondly, it will help you consider any biases or pre-existing assumptions from stakeholders before you start your research. You can then plan these into your work, perhaps as a hypothesis statement to test during your research. And I think finally, it's really as simple as helping give you an initial steer to your research to get better, more targeted insights. Perhaps I could give you an example. Mm -hmm. I was asked to do a market strategy to assess the options for a particular business area, to assess the growth options. It's pretty bog standard. It's a pretty typical project. This was at a time when the business area had very strong performance and a good outlook from previous work undertaken by that business unit. So I could just have started scoping the research phase at that point. However, I digged a little bit deeper at the beginning and then it became clear that this stakeholder had concerns about competitive threats from quite specific sources that he was aware of. So it was really good to unpack this before we embarked on the research work as it really focused our attention on a more defined critical challenge right from the beginning, namely to assess growth options in the context of a specific Competitive threat. But I think there are a few important things to note here, though. Defining the issue, as I mentioned at the start, it is not about saying you know what the answers are. It's just your starter for 10. Just because your stakeholder believes it doesn't make it true, but helps you consider different angles. And secondly, it shouldn't be constraining given the limited evidence at this stage. It's really important to keep an open mind and not target the research too narrowly. And I think finally, I'd add, it's critical to come back to the initial challenge or issue statement again and again to reframe your thoughts and make sure you stay on track. The key for me is not to just launch straight in, but give yourself some latitude to explore what you are seeking to do. This will really help make the research relevant and focused rather than just launching off, doing a general PESTLE analysis, for example, which does not address what you really need. This is something I do often see. So in summary, perhaps I would just add a question zero at the beginning called define perceived issues or define the challenge statement and will give more substance to it.
0: Thanks, Tara. That's a great example of what I would see as a more general point that you can order the six questions in different ways. So starting off with what's the primary issue or as you said what's the perceived issue that's a common one as you said um, and i've put on the website a chapter of my book that discusses different ways to order the strategy questions um, and the logic behind that let's go to another question should you ever cycle back to an earlier uh, one of these six strategy questions i think that it, the answer in practice is yes and you've alluded to that saying so you, you'd come back to question four what is the primary issue? To reframe, for example?
1: Sure. So, Joe, I do agree with you. I think cycling back through questions is an important part of making sure that your strategy is both dynamic and it takes on board new information as it arises. So in the example I gave previously on the market strategy piece, this was a one-off project, but we did iterate around the key issue or challenge statement over the course of it, make sure we stay on track as well as refreshing our information as the market evolved, even in a relatively short time frame. Another example of this is when we'd almost completed a piece of work, looking at some target companies for acquisition. We'd almost done all the research and we're actually in the phase of looking at options. At this point, one of the players issued information impacting their performance. It was critical to firstly pick up this new information. And secondly, it was important for us to go back and research what was going on with this company. And it really helped us do this by iterating. We reformed our decisions, considering this new information, and this actually led to a different outcome. So yes, there is a clear need to iterate through the questions. I don't see them being approached in a linear way.
0: Right. Okay, so another question. What about the frequency of the strategy cycle? How often should you be rethinking strategy?
1: I think that's a really important question, Joe, and obviously related to, to the first point you made. Strategy can often be perceived um, as a once or twice a year activity as part of the strategy planning process, and then tucked away until the next cycle. This was actually brought home to me by one senior director in one company who said, and I quote, If we need to do the strategy, we can just dust off last year's plan and tweak it. This was against a background of losing competitive bids, of changing customer behaviours, And it really wasn't the most inspiring view of strategy Mm. and alas, perhaps not uncommon. And I think this static approach somewhat misses the point of doing strategy, which is to react to changing conditions when they occur or even ahead of any occurrence. Alas, this doesn't always fit neatly into an established planning cycle. It suggests a fixed mindset and a firm belief that things will always be as they have always been. I think that's risky in these times. We live in what we call a VUCA world these days, volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous environments. It's a phrase that's actually becoming very popular. We know that companies find it increasingly difficult to absorb the speed of change. For example, the world has been turned upside down by COVID-19, with companies having to scramble to respond. Online working has become the norm when once it was resisted. The world coming out the other side of COVID-19 we hope sometime soon, may look completely different to the one we knew back at the beginning of 2020. It's the inability to see the end state that makes static strategy development very risky. So this suggests to me that there's a need for a more agile strategy development approach, something that is a bit more dynamic, iterative and incremental. It cycles through the six or, or, dare I say, seven questions more quickly and more often And just to note, that iterative or incremental strategy development is not the same as incremental business planning alluded to earlier, which consists of just tweaking last year's document. This more dynamic approach, this more agile approach, really works for topics such as digital transformation, where the endpoint is unknown and unlikely to ever get clearer as technology continues to speed ahead. I think cycling very quickly through all the questions and on a continual basis will be much more efficient and allow for course correction. This iterative approach, however, poses some difficult challenges for many organisations whose cultures, operating models, skill sets and most of all mindsets are really not geared to this type of activity. Many assuming a more linear approach to problem solving which requires a, hey, let's do it once, have all the answers and then we're done kind of mentality rather than what I call a growth mindset, which accepts that uncertainty means do it many times, have a go and most probably fail along the way.
0: Yeah, those are all really great points. We haven't spent an enormous amount of time on this huge topic of how to plan under uncertainty and how to create strategies that are robust under uncertainty. But I think you've covered a lot of great ground there Tara. And One of the things I take away there is this whole need to be agile and open to changing situations. Uh, and be ready to revise the strategy, which is, you know, sounds obvious at one level, but is much harder in a big bureaucratic organisation that likes to do things on annual processes. So let me let me switch, though, to another question, which is what about the speed with which you go through to develop a strategy? How long should it take to create or revise a strategy?
1: Well, I guess there's a question of how long it should take, versus how long you have available. Right, I think the two don't always marry up, alas. So, I've done strategy pieces from several weeks with very tight timeframes driven by the sponsor, all the way up to 12 months or more when developing transformation roadmaps with budgets. So when thinking about the speed in strategy development, it's good to consider a few factors, things such as, say for example, the topic and complexity of that topic, So doing an operating model review of one business unit can be done quicker, we hope, than a full review across all business units. And then there's the availability of data, both quantitative and qualitative. It can be difficult to get competitive data on private companies and a time-consuming task. Also doing ethnographic or user-based research or pulling together use cases will potentially increase timelines in the research phase but will probably bring you value later on. Speed of change in the market is another factor. We've talked about this VUCA world. So there's no point taking six months to do a strategy when the market moves in three month cycles. I guess the point is, as we've mentioned, is to do strategy when it's needed, not when it is planned to do it. And then of course, as you mentioned, stakeholders are a big factor in how long you take. So no matter how long you want to take, I'm pretty sure you will probably be constrained.
0: Mm.
1: And I think finally, speed is also related to the different approaches we've been discussing, one-off versus iterative approaches. So the market strategy work I've mentioned was a one-off project that took about two to three months to cover all six questions. It did take us some time to do the research phase given limited access to key stakeholders and the reliance of publicly available information which at at some level needs to be triangulated. The important thing here was to do sufficient research to answer some of the big uncertainties and not rush into option analysis. However, developing a digital strategy requires an iterative approach, which will impact both speed and depth of each step. Explore a little, try a little and then course correct. This is about using speed to de-risk your strategy the aim being to trial, test and fail fast. Now, this may sound relatively simple, but it's actually quite difficult to do in practice. And there are several reasons for this. The temptation by many people is to go deep and thorough, have all the answers just in case you get that difficult question. This definitely increases timeframes and just creates lots of fog with too much data and not enough insight. I've been in the position unfortunately where I've seen 400 plus page strategy plans just in case someone asks you that one question. That plan has an entire organizational machine behind it takes many time many months, sorry to pull together in quite a static way. The just in case someone asks approach to strategy development is actually really not very good for speed. A second reason is that iteration is often seen as inefficient time consuming and costly. The challenge is to help stakeholders understand that a little and often actually is less risky. It will help companies respond to changes more quickly. And the last reason I'd give is that strategy can sometimes be associated with just big moves. This is ultimately what we want, absolutely. But to convince someone to make a big move requires a lot of insight, analysis and a lot of certainty, which is probably not there. However, the smaller steps along the way to this big move could be done with less work and hence quicker. So in summary, I think speed is dependent on factors including, but not exhaustively, scale and complexity of a topic, availability of data, market conditions prevailing, sponsors and what their preferences are, and the type of approach.
0: Yeah, well, that's, that's a fantastic answer, and and there's so much in there. I think this topic of is strategy. Well, what is the mix in strategy of big moves versus small incremental moves, and how does that affect the strategy process? That's a that's a topic in itself, and you've given some really fantastic guidance there. And I think from the perspective of somebody who's worked in a large organisation and what is easy for those large organisations to do and what they find difficult to do. So um, I hope everyone will take the time to listen, maybe re-listen to that and and unpack it all. Final topic for today, what should a a strategy look like when it's finished? Is it a, a clear objective with a detailed roadmap or is it a general direction with some immediate next steps? And I guess this Harps back a bit to, to uh, your your the discussion we've just gone through here.
1: Yes, I think it does a bit, Joe. Um, you know, both both are actually really ve- relevant and valid. I think the question is really how they are both used and in which circumstances. I'd also note that both tackle the point that strategy provides a pathway and thus requires actions, not just a list of goals and objectives which is what you sometimes see in strategy development. So even though it is a general direction, actually that general direction has substance to it. The need for a clear objective and detailed roadmap will always continue where senior management require a very specific solution or clear outcome. So for example, enter, don't enter a market, buy, don't buy a target company. I've done some work looking at whether a part of the company should be sold off. This required a clear objective, sell, or don't sell, and a roadmap to get there, and actually was very valid for that period. But the issue with this approach, however, is that it requires the objective to be clear, and often it isn't, as we talked about. Things are seldom binary, a yes or no, and a detailed roadmap suggests that the endpoint will remain relatively static. Now, in some cases, that is okay, but I'd actually purport in others, the market will have moved forward. And I think in these situations where the market moves quickly, Although there is high ambiguity, the focus on a more general direction with a view of the steps, including immediate next steps, and perhaps I would add tracking, may be a better approach. This could be married with, say, scenario analysis as well, to consider alternative futures. Now, I've mentioned this before, but for me, a clear example of the need for a general direction approach is when defining a digital strategy. This, for me, exemplifies the need for iteration, speed and general direction. In fact, for me, it brings together all the points we've been discussing today. Now, in my experience, a more iterative view with the general direction is a quicker way to test key assumptions and options early that yield better outcomes. For example, when I was developing the digital strategy for a major company, we started with quite a traditional approach, considering the as-is analysis, and then going on to external and internal environments, and use this to really comprehensively look at options, effectively trying to emulate the clear objective and roadmap approach you mentioned. Now, the problem with this is that it was time consuming. Information was unknown and extremely imperfect and would remain so. It really wasn't going to get any clearer anytime soon. This led to the issue that getting senior engagement was really not readily forthcoming, despite the robust, fact based analysis that we love and we delivered. They weren't willing to move until they had all the answers and they had ROI, return on investment, ticked. So shifting to a more agile, iterative strategy with a general direction and immediate steps can help stakeholders see what could be delivered faster and helps the strategy build momentum and buy-in. It's important to note that, as I mentioned earlier, this general direction approach must still provide a clear set of policies and actions in the near term and is not seen as a fluffy vision statement. Strategic agility, however, is difficult. It involves accepting more ambiguity, not having all the answers at the beginning, developing continuous sensing capability, and that growth mindset we discussed earlier. All these things I think require strategists and managers to think somewhat differently and be open and curious and willing to try things out. many companies are already on this journey and they are recognizing that static strategies are no longer as valid, but remain inherently uncomfortable with the changes required. I think the best we can say is that this is work in progress.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think this is one of the frontier issues in strategy, which is how to how to balance this need for organizations to have clear objectives so that everyone can be driving together towards them. And yet the need to be flexible and and sort of ever changing in a way, adapting the objective as the world evolves. So uh, yeah, another fantastic answer to opening up a really, really big and interesting topic. So um, we're probably getting out of time. So Tara, any concluding comments?
1: Yeah, so thanks, Joe. I think to summarise, I really think the six questions remain valid in today's environment. When you start off a strategy project, they will actually lead you through a very good pathway. I would encourage forming a much stronger initial challenge statement at the beginning, though, absolutely ensuring that you reframe that challenge as you go. However, the key for me is making strategy more agile and and being able to make it relevant across different parts of of your organisation, not just the domain of a strategist, but to everyone. I think this requires iteration through all the questions many times, and on many occasions, as well as speed, a general direction with actions, and a willingness for trial and error, and ultimately a different growth mindset that companies are starting to develop, but still very much on that journey of change.
0: Thanks, Tara. That was fantastic, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. Look out for the odd extra bonus episode. Um, and uh, I think this topic of strategy under uncertainty would be a, a, a great topic to pick up again in, in another episode because there's, there's lots to be discussed about it. But I think you've given us a really thorough going over um, that topic, Tara, and, and both from a sort of theoretical perspective, if you like, um, but also a very practical one of, of what it's like working within organisations. So thank you so much. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, and do, of course, rate the podcast if you would. Uh, Check out our website and look out for new bonus episodes.